Welcome back, everyone, to season two of what is now being called Being Curious with Nomi. If you've been with us since the beginning, you know that we love talking about self-awareness, being curious, and personal growth. And since each of us has our own backgrounds as coaches, therapists, and humans, a big part of what we do here at Nomi is to embrace new perspectives. So in season two, we are doubling down on that. Each episode may look a little different, and some will explore challenges from listeners, and others we may talk about what's piquing our interest or something that we're reading. But you're sure to experience new things, explore what matters to you, and of course, be curious alongside us. I'm Madeline, a certified professional coach with Nomi, and I'll let my lovely co-hosts introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Cynthia. I am a Nomi coach and licensed mental health counselor. I'm Maggie. I am a former teacher turned coach. I have a question for the two of you to kick us off, which is what is your North Star? A happy life, a meaningful life, or a psychologically rich life? In this moment, for me, mm. I think a psychologically rich life. However, that has not always been the case. Interesting. Or maybe it has. Interesting. So talk to me about psychologically rich. Oh, my God. She's such a coach. She can't just answer the question. She's got to chase it with the question. <laughs> talk to you about psychologically rich. Obviously, we have a little more context behind the mics here because there is this really interesting paper that we have read in preparation for this episode. And before everyone turns their brains off and freaks out that we're going to talk about an academic paper. We talk, are. Yeah. <laughs> but still, please don't turn your brains off. The paper is called A Psychologically Rich Life Beyond Happiness and Meaning. Just because we're going to get into this paper and dig into what they actually hypothesized and what came out and how we feel about that, let's actually take a moment to define psychologically rich life, meaningful and happy life. A psychologically rich life is constituted, the key features are variety, interest, and perspective change. The facilitators of this life is curiosity, time, energy, and spontaneity. And the outcomes of this life is wisdom. Whereas for a meaningful life, the key features are significance, purpose, and coherence, meaning I want to know my life fits together. The facilitators are moral principles, consistency, and relationships, and the outcomes are societal contribution, right? So being a part of something bigger than us. Whereas a happy life, the key features are comfort, joy, and security. The facilitators are money, time, relationships, and a positive mindset. And the outcomes are personal satisfaction. Obviously, the two of you have also read this paper. How do you yeah. both understand psychologically rich in your own lived experience and maybe in this paper? For me, I define psychologically rich as a state of being that encompasses curiosity, uh, thinking holistically, embracing the positive and the negative, and being a little risky and adventuresome, and having the willingness to have multiple perspectives about things. Cynthia, you made it sound so pleasant. What stuck out to me is, or I guess words that are coming to mind for me, was gritty, gritty, mm. challenging. And then I like that word holistic. I think whole person showing up in whole complete ways. And with that comes all sorts of stuff. I, I think it adds to 
the quote unquote happy life or the quote unquote meaningful life. I think it is a component of it's part of it's part of the equation. I don't know if it's the last part of the equation or whatever, right? Hopefully we'll get into that, right? And maybe explore that a little bit. But what about you, Madeline? What do you think? Yeah, it's difficult because now I'm biased by this paper, but whatever I define psychological richness as before or whatever they defined it as in this paper is what I want. (laughs) I know it's really funny to say it that way, but the reason why answering this question makes me want to gravitate toward digging into this paper deeper and explaining to everyone who's listening is because I felt really seen by an academic paper. And it was a really strange experience. I think this is one of the most powerful experiences that I had when I first started in coaching, as in being coached, and then training to coach, is Mm. all of a sudden I had this language for things I had already been doing or things I had realized. And in receiving the coaching, it was extraordinarily powerful for myself. And in doing the coaching, it is extraordinarily gratifying. And this skill of being able to articulate something or name something and give it language, it's just one of like, it's brain candy for me. And so it was really interesting reading this paper and feeling so seen because I feel like this term psychologically rich just describes what I chase. And one of the most important things for me is their first hypothesis was around psychological richness being distinct from a happy life and a meaningful life, but still being part of a good life. And Mm. why this is so significant to me is that I've often shamed myself into what I prioritize in my life, that taking risks, as you brought up, mom, or having a Mm. novel experience, prioritizing newness (laughs) and fun and growth, it often puts me at odds with happiness. And I've Mm -hmm. shamed myself about that. I have made myself feel bad that I should want a happy life or it should be enough for me to want a happy life and a stable life. Mm -hmm. And why can't Mm -hmm. I just want that? Do I really want to burn myself into the ground with these insane levels of stress? Because what I have in my life right now isn't enough and I always need a new experience. Can't the experiences I have just be enough? It was really grounding to read this paper because it acknowledged something that I've weaponized against myself time and time again, that psychological richness and the desire to grow and be curious and be open and all of these pieces of me that align with the study that has proven that of why I like psychological richness just gave me that language to be like, yeah, I don't always prioritize the happy life because there's something that matters more to me. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy you had that reaction because clearly mine was the same. I heard it, I saw it, and then like I instantly sent it to you because I was like, what is this? What is this other option that exists in the world? Because I was a teacher, right? So that was a career that I got into because it has meaning and it has purpose, but like I wasn't necessarily happy, mm. right? So I wasn't hitting the happiness factor. And I also, even though I should have been living this life full of meaning and purpose, I wasn't necessarily doing that either. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I made the decision, like you were saying, to step into the novelty and completely jump outside the box mm-hmm. that my satisfaction in life started going up, even though from the outside looking in, I ran away from stability and like these other things. Yeah, And I didn't realize, like you said, until I read this paper and I had the language for it, I'm like, I ran into the arms of psychological richness. And here we are. (laughs) It's really interesting because when I was reading the paper, I was thinking about the 
pitfalls and the dangers of these binary things. We get told a lot of times, don't we? Or at least that's what I got told is that I had to pick meaningful life, purposeful life, or happy life, or secure life, or whatever. And for me, when I read this paper, it gave me a breath of fresh air going, no, no, I don't have to pick one or the other. It's once again about the and. I get to have all of it in at different times, at different degrees. And that's what fulfillment is or this encompassing term of well-being, at least for me. Yeah, I really do invite everyone to go out and read it. But we're already in hypothesis one. They predicted and proved within the confines of their paper that psychological richness is related to but distinct from happiness and meaning in life, meaning that you can have all of them. <laughs> like you can have a psychologically rich and happy and meaningful life, but they are distinct from each other. So some of the studies they did were around the actual correlation between them as well. And I found it so interesting that they not only did it with live samples and self-reporting, but they also looked at obituaries. That was so that was interesting. Cool. <laughs> I love that because I feel like, A, because it was entertaining, but B, because I feel like there's always this practice. I've done it with clients, mm -hmm. right? Where you're yeah. like, what do, what would your obituary read? Yes. What would you want in there? And then I'm like, oh, here it is like being studied. So right. even more the reason to do that practice. Absolutely. So that we're not leaving it <laughs> behind a curtain. What they found when they yep. read the obituaries, and I also, great study because they looked at more than one place. So they looked at the New York Times and they did a study on their obituaries and coded them. So people who weren't aware of the terms they were using to define things as happy, meaningful, or rich coded them to see where they landed. And then they were like, hey, the people in the New York Times, they're really exceptional human beings. So let's go to a random mm -hmm. newspaper. So they went to a Virginia newspaper and they coded those. And then they also went to a Singaporean newspaper and coded those. And the results were similar, which is that they were distinct. These three things were distinct from each other. And that also some of the people, a lot of the people had psychologically rich lives but we're very unhappy. <laughs> so they were there was like a negative correlation between the more psychologically rich their lives were, the unhappier they were in some ways. And I found that really funny. <laughs> I did too, but spot on, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting because I've seen a trend through my lifetime of people striving for this happy and then they're like, yeah, doesn't quite fill the bucket. And then they go to meaningful and purposeful. Yep. And then even myself, I was like, why am I still feeling so restless? Yep. I got the happy life. I have that joy and that positive perspective and whatever. And then I have the meaningful because who doesn't like to matter? I want to matter. I want to write that in my obituary. I mattered. And here's why. But then I was like restless. And I was just like, there's got to be more. And what about maybe some of the crappy stuff? How does that fit in? And does it fit in? Well, how am I going to address this restlessness? Is it just forged in lack of satisfaction? So maybe I better go back to happy and meaningful. Mm. <laughs> because, right? Because I don't really feel satisfied. Which beautifully brings us to the second hypothesis. The second hypothesis was around who, what kind of traits or who is more likely to want a psychologically rich life. Mm -hmm. And so what you're talking about, I love that you were, use this word restless. And I would actually say that restless is a symptom, more of a symptom. Mm -hmm. But what would you say was the root cause of your restlessness? What did you want? Adventure. 
mm-hmm. new experiences, learnings, growth, what I consider growth, curiosity. I wanted to be curious and in awe and I wanted things to just wow me and I wanted aha moments and all of that kind of stuff. I didn't want to feel stagnant or bored. I felt so I think when I get restless, I'm also craving the same things. And it was interesting as I was reading this because I was like, oh, like there's judgment popping up for me as I'm reading this Ah. because I'm not a world traveler, but I crave adventure. And so I was like, can I want the psychological richness? Should I be running around traveling the world more? Mm. But then the more I read, I was like, oh, no, it actually you can scratch that need in smaller ways, too, versus just jumping on a plane and traveling to this far off place. There are ways to get doses of this richness and this adventure, even just in the most ordinary activities. And it's, oh, okay, we're back on. I belong in this pile still. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this also speaks to that relationship again between wanting things that are going to stretch you and be psychologically rich and wanting happiness at the same time. When we access our self-awareness, we can create the (laughs) win-win. We can create the win-win between things like happiness, meaning, and psychological richness. Because in reality, going across the world and the sacrifices that might be needed for that at this stage in your life, it might take a serious hit to your overall happiness in life, which has consequences. Exactly. Only one of these in an extreme is going to have consequences. If you just pursue what is defined as a happy life and all about your own personal satisfaction, you might be a little bit of a dick. There's consequences to all of them. There's consequences personally and there's consequences on the people we want to connect with. And we don't have to always be doing any of these in the extreme. That's just, we like to go there, right. but. <laughs> yeah, it's back to that binary thinking. Exactly. Right, right. right. All or nothing. Yep. Exactly. Which I can give a personal example of the pursuit of psychological richness and extreme misery. <laughs> and it was a little necessary in this case, so I'll give it that caveat. But last weekend, I assisted in a coach training course. The one that I trained in, I basically went back and assisted in. I cannot sum up that weekend. Everyone asked me how it was and I did not know how to answer them because in some ways it was the most painful, the most isolating, the most heartbreaking weekend I've had in a really long time. Not just weekend, but like cognitive state. I don't think I've been that sad in a long time. And at the same time, on the other side of it, the psychological richness and awareness that I have gained from that weekend is 10 times more impactful on my life than most of the things I've done in the past six months. This perfectly explains that sensation. I I gave it a metaphor where I said, it's like I had this really painful experience that took me out of my own body. And if my body was a house, when I came back into it, it's like someone had cleaned the house. (laughs) So there is transformation. I know that feeling. (laughs) What, a clean house (laughs) or disassociating? (laughs) All of the above. (laughs) Say more, Maggie. No, I think you're bringing up what they brought in the paper, though. And this is like such a hallmark of psychological richness is that sometimes it is these really painful situations that facilitate the richness. I guess you have to have the curiosity and the perspective taking ability or that has to be something that you value Mm -hmm. in order for the richness to develop. Right. So what you're describing is like the perfect breeding ground for it, which is you had this weekend 
where you were like, what is happening? And now here we are a few days later and you're already looking at it being like, oh, like that was somewhat that enhanced my life somehow. Yeah. And so you, yeah, you did the psychologically rich things. Yeah. Yeah. Allowed, well, allowed yourself to do it. And I think that is for me, definitely how I, I'm taking this research and this paper, which is that perhaps true psychological richness isn't found in harmony or balance, but in the raw intensity of the experience, mm-hmm. right? In the moments of despair and the depths of pain and the chaos of our minds, where we, instead of striving for this sort of equilibrium or aren't I supposed to have all the pieces neatly fit together, maybe that's not what we're supposed to strive for. Maybe it is the just the richness of well-being mm. is embracing all of us, the shadows, the light, and maybe this psychological richness is honestly found in the shadows if we dare to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love that. And I think that's probably why they mentioned wisdom as being one of the outcomes Mm -hmm. of a psychologically rich life. I think something that's really interesting as well, mom, you brought in feelings and emotion. And one of the things that was especially Mm. resonant and made me feel seen was it talked about the connection with psychological richness and perspective change. And there's another study that talks about how when we have perspective change, we almost have more intense emotions. As a result, they found that individuals with psychologically rich lives experience both positive and quote unquote Mm -hmm. negative emotions more intensely. Mm -hmm. Whereas people who were leading a happier, meaningful life experienced positive emotions more intensely, but negative emotions less intensely. And I think this is where a lot of shame came within myself was that Mm -hmm. because my highs were extraordinarily highs, they are when I'm in this rich space Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. it connects with my joy, it is Mm -hmm. a high. But that intensity, because of my nature, it also brings that the lows lower. And so that's why part of me was like, why can't I just want a happier, meaningful life? Because I feel like I shouldn't feel negative emotions. And I'm saying negative Mm because that's what they use in the paper, but Mm -hmm. sadness and anger. I shouldn't feel those things so intensely. If I were truly Mm -hmm. happy, I would focus on the happy ones and almost like what, Mm -hmm. not feel the negative ones? We tell Mm -hmm. ourselves the most crazy things. (laughs) I sit in my office, right? And people come to me and their number one ask is, please help me get rid of the following emotions, (laughs) anger, anxiety, envy, jealousy. And I'm like, why would we want to get rid of those? Right? That's I've like- never had that request come out of my mouth. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? Maybe they're not the problem. Maybe they're actually the solution. I love that solution was just brought in here because one of the other things that was super interesting about this paper was its link between psychological richness and system change. What did you think? (laughs) First off, can one of you explain it? Because I've been talking a lot. And tell me what you think. That was the part where I think I actually blacked out reading it because I got so excited. I'm like, it all makes sense. This is why I ran away from teaching. And like why I just basically should have bumper stickers all over my car and say, I hate systems. So that's not explaining what the paper said about it. But 
explains my excitement about it. Yeah, I mean that there's people that psychological richness tends to be linked with people who want systematic change that they're taking. I think that comes with that perspective taking. They are curious in looking at all these angles and looking at all these perspectives and they're curious about what are the alternatives here. They shy away from conformity, right? They shy away from the boxes that systems want to put us in. It shies away from these binary terms, normal, abnormal, those kinds of things. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes, reading this great book, Uniquely Human. And he talks about that. Can we just be uniquely human? Mm. Without emphasis on the word uniquely and the emphasis on the word human. True, true. Showing up in all of our like beauty and messiness and yeah. And I'm going to read some quotes because I think this can help people to see if they resonate like we did. So number one, those leading psychologically rich lives tend to have more complex reasoning styles, consider multiple cases for others' behavior And do not believe that a few discrete categories can explain individual differences. And so in general, psychological richness predicts important outcomes related to exploration and motivation for systemic change, meaning that people who pursue psychological richness are more likely to be motivated to change systems, especially unjust systems. And that people whose lives are psychologically rich tend to seek out challenges and value learning and are less interested in maintaining the status quo. And don't you think that kind of ties into, and this is where I drew these three happy, meaningful, and the psychological rich life, like on a triangle, like I draw mind, body, soul. Don't you think it ties into components of purpose or meaningful life? I like that you just brought up the mind, body, soul part of it too, Cynthia, because they did not mention it at all in the paper. But as someone who has a pretty significant spiritual practice, I like that psychological richness. I was reading it and I'm like, this sort of lends itself to my version of spirituality, which is in that liminal space and Mm -hmm. playing around with this idea, these paradoxes and staying curious and staying open. And it's not saying that a meaningful or happy life eliminate that. But for me, I was just like, wow, like it just my curious mind started going, right? I'm like, I wonder if they started talking to people, what is their religious or spiritual beliefs? Is that tied to Mm. psychological richness? I love you both so much (laughs) because I think each one of these things does map to mind, body, spirit. So to me, when we're feeling out of balance in like body almost. And that body I also consider to be emotion because emotions play out in the theater Mm -hmm. of the body and feelings play out in the theater of the mind. And so when we are out of balance in our body, I think we focus ourselves more on a happy life because we are feeling unsafe and unstable. And so what they articulate as being a happy life and personal satisfaction and like social safety and money, which is very correlated to a happy life, it has to do with security. So to me, the body part of mind, body, spirit is associated with happy life. The mind part, when we're feeling out of balance in our mind and making sense of things and feeling valued and like the feeling space, not the emotion space, but the feeling space and wanting to put our complex pieces together and reconcile that complexity and what have you and be a part of something bigger. That 
I think actually is more the mind space. And then Maggie, as you just beautifully articulated, this psychological richness is a spiritual pursuit. It's that growth and stretch because part of the stretch process is being able to vision where we are now and where we can be and like stretch to find that Mm -hmm. and have faith in the thing that isn't there yet, which is inherently a spiritual practice. And so I think that when we are truly in balance with mind, body, spirit, we are in balance with happy, meaningful, and psychological richness. And when we feel ourselves drawn in the direction of one or the other, it might be because in that area of our lives, we are feeling lack. So when I'm Mm -hmm. really leaning myself into psychological richness without judgment and with priority and urgency, it's usually because there's something spiritually missing in my life. And the Mm -hmm. same goes for when I'm leaning in a happy life, when I'm in crisis about money or my finances, (laughs) I'm 100% focused on my happiness without a doubt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The developmental psychologist touched upon this. Eric Erickson and Dan Levinson, they both touched on these stages of life where you could insert happy, meaningful, and um, psychological richness in age categories that developmentally it's not till about 30 that you really have a the fully developed brain Mm -hmm. as well as life experience perhaps right because they do talk about um experiences check and check 30 life experience i'm good yeah that's when maybe that longing or that desire is opened for exploration and for incorporation into our lives what came up as well when i was reading this and thinking about the stages of life and we we touched upon it a little bit earlier Maggie, actually, one of the first things you said was right now in this moment, it's psychologically rich, but Mm -hmm. I can tell you that in the past, I've prioritized something else. And one of the findings was that when they looked at whether or not people wanted this, because that was part of what they decided they Mm. were distinct, they figured out who were these people, but then they were like, people actually have to want this in order for it to be Mm -hmm. constituting a good life, because that's the whole thing is happy and meaning were whether or not you considered yourself to have a good life. So they were trying to make a Mm -hmm. case for psychological richness being something that people constitute as a good life. And so part Mm -hmm. of that is, do you want this? And Mm -hmm. what the findings were across all of these countries were that it was a minority of people. So it was there. People did want it, but it was by far the minority. So number one was happy, right? Obviously. Number one was happy. Number two was meaningful. And number three, while it varied in what percentage, which was a minority desire, was psychological richness. So it was present. It was significant enough to prove, but it was still a minority. And Mm -hmm. this caused me to think about the relationships in my life and how Mm -hmm. because a minority of people want psychological richness or prioritize it because that's what people in the study were forced to do. They were forced to choose one, which is not necessarily what you have to do in life. But we focus on one thing at a time usually. Um, We think we're multitaskers. We are not. (laughs) But if the minority of people focus and choose the psychologically rich life, I had a pang of loneliness because I was like, oh, I I think that's it. I think that's why some of my relationships feel empty or have felt empty because I'm striving for personal for psychologically rich and that's my north star even when the other things are important to me and I need balance in them and I'm surrounded by a lot of people who prioritize happy I'm going to challenge that a little I don't think they prioritize it Madeline Mm. 
I think they choose it and they stop because of fear. Yeah, I agree. Because in order to have this richness, we really have to be able and willing Mm -hmm. to embrace the chaos, the contradiction, the open mind, open heart all the time. And even the suffering. Yeah, I like that you just said that because I think at the start, I think that's why I used the word grit, like Mm -hmm. gritty. And I think that, like I said, I want to lead a psychologically rich life now, but I know totally, hands down, when I was letting fear win out, I was pursuing happier, meaningful as my Mm -hmm. North Star. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think I realized it at the time, but there was a point, I think, where I was at a crossroads where I was like, nope, we're going down the psychologically rich path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there. There's stuff that comes with that. There's consequences. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But there's also rewards, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that now, like, I won't, I can't look back. I think that now that I have pivoted in this direction and I can tell you I have less money in my life than I ever have. I have less security in my Mm -hmm. life than I ever have. But my satisfaction in life is higher than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. So again, like, just the contradictions are Mm -hmm. just wild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean it's easy. Right. I think that's in some ways it's really freaking hard sometimes. Well, that's the other thing. Right. I think some people shy away from it because it in their minds constitutes work. And so if we can just be satisfied with the first two, then our work is done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting as well is I find that most of my clients that come to coaching Even if they can't articulate it or even if they're articulating it as wanting to be happier or wanting a more purposeful Mm -hmm. life, what they're actually communicating and everything else is psychological richness. They Yes, they want the happy and meaningful, but the reason they come to coaching is because of the psychological richness. It's because of the desire to learn and to grow and to integrate that in life and to create perspective shift because they're resourceful. All of my clients, they are very resourceful people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they would be able to figure out the super urgent things in their lives outside of coaching. They just might, Mm -hmm. it might be easier inside of coaching, but Mm -hmm. the clients that stay with me the longest and really nurture that relationship because coaching is like a part of their lives, they would never give up. And even for myself, I'm speaking for myself as well. Yeah, It comes from this desire for psychological richness. And going back to what you were saying, Maggie, is coaching is such an interesting relationship because I think it's an example of the small ways we can find psychological richness in our lives without moving across the world. That having a a thought partner that allows you to deepen the learning in your experiences and Mm -hmm. then integrate that into your life, that in and of Mm -hmm. itself creates psychological richness. And so that's why so many of my clients are these people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's we literally were just talking about that yesterday, Madeline, Mm -hmm. right? Once you get a taste of that, it's just so indispensable having that that partnership. And in counseling, especially CBT counseling and other modalities of counseling, not so much psychoanalytic because that's really steeped in um, diagnoses and problem solving. But cognitive behavioral, once again, mind, body, spirit, it is the same approach. It's what can we learn about all of the parts of us that can add to this richness? And then how can we look at the negative and positive, if we're going to put them in buckets, emotions, feelings, thoughts, whatever, and maybe none of them are the bad guy. They're all just informational. We could probably talk about this paper for forever and ever. 
But before we close, I would love to just ask the two of you and myself, is there anything else about it that brought up a thought or something you just wanted to share that it inspired you? I laughed for myself yesterday because now I'm like looking and I'm walking around the world and I'm like, how I'm asking myself, how am I pursuing psychological richness? What a question, right? Of a psychologically rich person. But I, <laughs> I think what I, I took a little reading between the lines, but I just want to reiterate, I think that there's little ways that we can do it every day. Even sitting on my couch last night, I chose to watch a documentary instead of a reality show. And I think that that is just exercising the ability to look at different perspectives and just have our own challenged all the time. Mm-hmm. I just had an experience where I went on, let's call it a trip of a lifetime vacation. And because of circumstance, it didn't materialize as planned. I was faced with this sort of, I'm going to call it transformational opportunity where I could take the chaos and the perceived suffering and the turmoil and all that stuff and turn it into richness if I wanted to and have it maybe contribute to my wisdom. Perhaps I like to believe it, but it sure brought me joy. I love that. The finding I want to bring up that didn't have a happy place that I'm making this a happy place for it is at the very end, which again, please read this paper. It is so interesting. Oh, I hope you're going to say what I'm thinking of that I didn't say. Yet. So you're going to say <laughs> toward the end of the paper, they start to talk about like all good academics do where their research or where someone's research could go next. And one of the things that was a little light bulb moment for me was on the difference between vicarious versus experiential richness. So it talked Mm. about there was this question of does psychological richness have to be experienced firsthand? That was one of the where would we go next with this research? And they talked about experiential richness being you have to go through it yourself and vicarious richness being that you witness the richness somehow and therefore Mm -hmm. have have it for your own. And they talked about reading. And this was a huge Mm -hmm. light bulb moment for me where they cited someone who discussed in his journals how he had incredible psychological richness and all of these things happened, but it wasn't to him. It was to a character he was reading about. And Mm -hmm. this just absolutely dropped something into my existence because I've never felt like I was a reader, especially a reader of fiction, so passionately because I was a learner. Although that is part of me. Mm. Reading has always been more about something else, but I never knew how to articulate that I read fiction to grow. Everyone mm-hmm. I talk to that would, talks about being a reader and liking to learn would always be like, here's all the nonfiction I read. But I mm-hmm. was like, but don't you read fiction to grow? <laughs> because I read fiction to grow. And this this vicarious richness is exactly why. Because well-written novels about rich experiences that are communicated in a way that trigger my empathy and trigger my being able to vicariously live this experience – do create psychological richness. So if you are hearing this, dear psychologists that wrote this paper, please know I think you're on to something here. And I would love if you could please do a study about vicarious richness in fiction versus nonfiction. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? And I'm going to, being the theater arts major that I am, I'm going to like them to include theater because I have the same experiences with theater, with art, with poetry. Uh, Maggie, I know you're a big poetry absorber. 
Yeah, no, they mentioned that in there too, which I think was beautiful. It, yeah. Th- yeah. Oh, I just have all the feels about this stuff. It's good. I know. Yeah. It really is amazing. And there's so much we didn't even cover. Like they also talk about tragedy and psychological richness. And yeah, they mentioned play in here too, which I'm like, yeah. oh, we didn't even talk about play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is really just so much in here. So I would encourage people to read the paper. It is very readable. I'll also say there are three people in this room who all come from very different academic backgrounds. And I think all of us found it re- very readable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. if if it does interest you, it's completely free. We'll put it in the show notes. And also I'll link to a couple of articles on it as well, just to make it easier to digest. After that entire discussion, you may be sitting and thinking to yourself, but how do I know? what is a happy experience, a meaningful experience, or a psychologically rich experience. And if you're sitting in that seat, this is a little exercise you can do. It's actually modeled off of the experiments that they did in the paper. So I want you to take a journal or voice notes, whatever medium is applicable for you, and I want you to describe a happy experience in your life first. Really push yourself to use descriptor words, so adjectives especially. Then I want you to describe a meaningful experience for you. How do you interpret meaning? And what was that experience like? And then I want you to describe a psychologically rich experience. What was that like? Really get into those descriptor words. The words that are showing up in each of these categories will help you to see some of the values that you honor when you are prioritizing happy, meaningful, or psychologically rich. And these might give you an opportunity to When you're feeling you want more of one of these categories, start to align what you're doing with those values. So, for example, when I think about something that is happy in my life, I think about lightness. I think about it being spacious and slow, calm and peaceful. And so when I'm feeling like I want to connect more in a happy life as part of my good life, I'm going to look for experiences and opportunities that will help me to honor those things. Whereas with psychologically rich, I might be looking at risk or stretch or discomfort. And so I might ask myself, what's something uncomfortable that I might do today? Because I'm looking for more of that psychological richness. So obviously this is inverted to the experiment because we're priming you already with the labels, but this might help you to actually identify how you can honor each one of these things more in your life. And that actionability is what we are all about at Nomi. And of course, we can't close the episode without a quote from Cynthia. That's not going anywhere. Cynthia, what do you have? So I have a great quote from Carl Rogers. The good life is a process, not a state of being. It's a direction, not a destination. I want to slap that on top of a journal. There we go. Amazing. Thank you both for being curious with me. And thank you to all of our listeners for being curious with us. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to Being Curious with Nomi. Did you learn something new or feel inspired by something in this episode? Then please pass it along. Sharing our podcast is the best way you can help us to inspire more self-awareness and curiosity in the world. And if you're curious about how we can support you, head to Nomi.com to see how we could work together one-on-one. We know it takes a village and we're so grateful you're part of ours. This is Cynthia, Maggie, and Madeline inviting you to be good to you.